Price tag though. Uh, hey, I'm joined by who are you people? I haven't seen you all in forever. Who are these strangers in my Zoom oh, meeting? I know. Well, that's Amy right there. And that's Tony. <laughs> Hopefully, right it shows there. up the same way. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm joined by my hosts, Amy and Tony, and we have not been together for a moment for yeah. various reasons. Mostly, I want to say I, I I don't want to blame the hurricane. Obviously, that's a reason, uh, a part of a reason, but also just like academics and us being involved in the ways that we are you know even if we're not teachers we have students or children or whatever it's like august is just nuts yeah and it just gets worse until like december maybe after after you're done playing your last sleigh ride (laughs) Uh, for me it's it's the end of october when marching band season ends then you know i i have time again well, this whole thing was drawn back even into July because I was in California for a while with the Brass Chamber Music Workshop. Right. So yeah, I think about, I missed recording for for that. Yeah, back in July, right? Let's talk about, so you yeah. went, so what, that was a, like a, a tour of sorts or was that just in one location? No, it's it's one location. It's two weeks. Um, it's fantastic. So so how it works is there are a number of coaches. Um, so the euphonium coach for the first yeah the first week was Gail Robertson, and then I was a coach for the second week uh, for euphoniums. Um, a, most of the coaches are in the California E area. Um, a lot of people who work on um, on down in Los Angeles. And so we have a number of coaches and each day the participants are put into a new chamber ensemble. Um, And so we consider things like um, obviously playing ability, but also personality and how the personality of the group is gonna, is gonna work. Um, We think about, um, you know, somebody was in a trio yesterday and, you know, we don't want to put them in another trio. Um, and so then once we put them in groups, then the coaches all go to what is, we think it's the largest brass chamber music library in the world. Um, and we pull a whole bunch of music, probably like eight, nine, 10 pieces for the group. And they sight read it the next day. We coach them. They sight read through a whole bunch of music and settle on something to play that night. And then we kind of coach them through um throughout the day on putting it together. And there's usually a, a masterclass or a, a session on something related to performance um, and uh, in, in the afternoon, and then we eat dinner. And then there's a there's like a workshop style performance. There will be no, um, you, you will never see a recording on like YouTube or something because recording in the workshop uh, environment is strictly forbidden. Um, because people do, you know, groups do stop sometimes. Sometimes right. they, you know, in one day, sure, why not? Right, exactly. So it's a it's a learning environment, and then after that performance, the coaches get together and switch everyone around again for the next I have, day. I have a question about that. Yeah. How do they audition their personality? 
we get to know them. Right. So when they when they they apply, they quote apply, but really they um, they turn in their materials and they have to have a few references. And so if somebody and then we all get together and and we figure out like, hey, hey, you know this person, you know what are they like? Yeah. Um, and so that person is kind of the expert <laughs> for like the first day until we get to know them a little bit better. Yeah. If nobody has, if nobody has met this person, then we will frequently call one of the references and say, is this a outgoing person? Is this a shy person? How is this person sight reading? Um, are they kind of someone to jump in? Is, is it someone who's going to be, who's going to need a little bit of extra support? Yeah. Um, and then, and then we go off of that. That's, that's I think that's a unique aspect to it because so much of chamber music is dealing with the people and the personalities that you have to deal with. That's yeah. sometimes that's the bigger obstacle than actually yeah. playing the music. It is. It's like the same thing it as is. making like a garage band back in high school. Like it's like the exact same <laughs> thing. You know, it's you you got to get along with the people because you're going to end up hating each other because you're staying out of my garage. <laughs> <laughs> So, hey, That's Tony, great. what's going on in uh, Triangle Land? What are you all doing yeah. up there? Well, we, you know, we're back, um, you know, rehearsing. We started our season right at, right, well, when, usually we start when the, the Wake County Public Schools start back. So it's the week before Labor Day. Uh, we are doing a little bit of a different season this year because normally we start off the season with the Pops concert that we do outside in Cary. And we didn't. We're changing it up this year. Uh, we're not doing that. We're, you know, historically, I always did that because, you know, all the community groups around here start at the same time and they're all ready for their first big concert right at the beginning of November. So then the market is just saturated with performances at the beginning of November. So I was like, well, maybe we shouldn't do that cycle. So I switched to doing a concert right away in you know, late September, early October, and then we'll do something in, in December. And this year, we had trouble getting a venue to perform at. Our regular venue wasn't available. Um, so I was like, well, then we're just, you know, I'm not going to fight this battle. So I looked for a venue in November. So right before Thanksgiving, we're going to do our first concert, but we're doing a big concert. Um, and uh, I did not know this at the time when I planned this concert, but the, uh, the new series of The Crown is coming out in November. And I'm a, obviously a big fan of that. So I was doing a, a program called The Crown. And we're doing all music, um, British royalty, you know, uh, Hymn for Diana, The Plantagenets by Gregson, Henry V, um, Pastime with Good Company, which is written by Henry VIII, allegedly, you know, Crown Imperial, Pomp and Circumstance, Jerusalem, you know, the, all the greatest hits. And then the Queen died. And I didn't know about that. I did not plan for that. I had nothing to do with it. Um, not to, I did not do that to promote our concert. That's exactly what somebody who had something to do with it would say. <laughs> we'll never. They, I did make it seem like it was natural causes of old age. <laughs> She's so um, old; they'll never know. <laughs> yeah, but it was, you know, but that, you know, that's just a little bit of, uh, you know, we started off with that and. Kind of the reason that I, I went this direction, especially doing Henry V and Plantagenets. Plantagenets is a is a little bit more difficult piece for us, um, and we don't usually do, you know, our first concert of the year with heavy repertoire like this to kind of ease into the season. But 
Um, you know, we're we're jumping up to the first section this year. Um, so we're, you know, over the years, we have played pieces like Year of the Dragon and Harrison's Dream and, um, you know, you know, top, you know, top literature, Pagnini variations, but we've never competed with that because those, those pieces stretch the band just a little bit. Um, but this year we're, we're pushing ourselves to compete in the first section with Year of the Dragon and a comparable choice piece. So... Now, I figured, you know, throwing something like Plantagenets in front of them early in the season would probably be a good, you know, warm-up for that. Um, you know, so so that's what we're we're kind of working on right now. Um, and things are going well. The band's going really well. The band's vibe is good. And, you know, we're really excited to um, keep moving forward after our success in the last couple of years of, of competing in the third section. That's a lot of good moves for y'all. What have you been up to, uh, Aaron, other than hurricane stuff? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, we're, we're very lucky. Hurricane didn't really do much other than just give me a reason to use a saw to take care of some uh, downed limbs and stuff like that. We're doing good, though. Um, we've got our first concert of the season for Tampa um, later this month. And we, we actually do the opposite of what you were talking about, Tony. We always hit really hard with the opening. Um, and then... We go and we essentially have like a five rehearsal concert cycle to get into our winter concert, which is funny because like the fall concert does not pay the bills. It's the holiday concert and we just play, you know, cheese, you know, and um, but yeah, getting that uh, getting the getting the youth brass band ready. That's the big that's the big project right now. We're going to start second after FMEA. So second week of January or something like that. We're going to get them going. We're going to try to do two concerts. We're doing a joint concert with the big boy band. And then they're going to do their own concert by themselves. Um, so yeah, and then we're going to establish, because you guys know, I mean, the percussion parts for youth brass band stuff isn't really necessarily something that I need a bunch of all-state kids to sit around with. So we're probably going to also start a percussion ensemble that we may or may not take to competition just just to give them something else to do. Yeah. We, we're just going here. Yeah, we do um, We do a percussion ensemble component with, with our youth bands as well, just to kind of give them more opportunity to play, mostly to attract the better players to do that. Bingo. Um, you know, the, our youth bands did their auditions yesterday and uh, they'll start up in November. You know, as soon as the marching season's over, they they crank right up with, you know, with their with their rehearsals, so. Nice. You know, yeah, there's no a lot, of, a lot of brass banding going on around here right now, <laughs> or soon. Um, yeah, so speaking of a lot of brass banding, you know, we, we've talked on this particular podcast almost ad nauseum about the North American Championships, but there's a lot of regional events that are either starting up or restarting up or going on this year. Uh, we've got one in November, February, March, two in March, and one in May, um, and they're all over. So the, the big one coming up right around the corner, which we talked a little bit with Chris about, earlier i think correct that was was yeah the the u.s open which has been established has been a thing but the moving of the locations is a big deal and i think it's his first year back correct post-covid no no they they was in uh they did the event last year in kansas city okay yeah or somewhere in kansas um and then it's, it's moved to detroit um it is an entertainment style contest the u.s open has been going for almost 20 years i believe it's gone for a while. Um, 
So hopefully, hopefully it's found a, a permanent home in Detroit. Um, you know, but they, they, they just announced the last week or so that they have David King coming over to do sessions. Yeah. I think either with bands or with, uh, with individuals who want, you know, help leading a band or playing cornet or anything. So that's, that's pretty exciting. That's a, a big draw for that. I think, you know, have, have David King over for it. Have either of you ever done that competition before or been to it? No. I have with with Atlantic, um, and uh, we <laughs> we we competed when um, Fountain City had won, and they went over to play in brass and concert because that happens about the same time. So then then we found out that Fountain City wasn't competing in in the open, and so we were like, well, we'll just we'll just slide right on in there. <laughs> well, it, it's kind of it's pretty much the same vibe, right? I mean, it, so anybody who may not know, like a lot of times with competitions, you get choice and test piece maybe just a test piece but with the entertainment styles it's kind of like you make a program up to a certain time and it typically like i'll have a theme think very you know it reminds me i know it's not the same thing but it reminds me a lot of like the competitive marching band circuit in terms of like picking a theme and playing a show and putting that out there very different in terms of like that but that's kind of the same idea of structure well, well i mean it's an entertainment contest and entertainment is not defined you know what? What is entertaining? That's kind of the sixty-four thousand dollar question. But it is. But it is similar to the brass and concert format, where you have an open slate to do anything that you think is going to be entertaining, and then you have to convince judges that it's entertaining through <laughs> <laughs> performance, whatever. I, I'm, I'm actually a judge for the U.S. Open this year um, because we're. You know, I'm really honored to be to be selected to do that. Um, but NABA is is working very hard. Um, to partner with the, these regional events to help develop a, you know, a bigger brass band adjudication pool in North America, rather than hiring people from Europe to come over here, which is extremely expensive. Um, but we want to we want to have our own judges. We're also developing a, you know, a more reliable adjudication system that we want to use with all of these regional events and the championships, so the same standard can be applied to all brass band events all the time, which would just, you know, over time will help bands develop and, and progress and get better, just much the ways that drum corps and marching bands have over the years, because there's been the same standard of adjudication across the board for all of those events. So, you know, so I'll be, I'll be judging that one. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, you know, but it, but you know, they're, they're still figuring out exactly, um, you know what what manner the entertainment part of the adjudication is going to be um but we have i have a pretty good idea how we're going to do it but that but that's the x factor in there is like figuring out what entertainment is yeah we did a we did a bit that was funny and i think that putting humor into a show has to be like the hardest thing because sitting there and and like doing it over and over again and thinking is this funny like I think it's like I think it's funny because I came up with it, but on you know as you're doing it, you know what I mean. Like, but as you're doing you're doing a run through of it, like for the fiftieth time or whatever. Like, is it funny? Funny. <laughs> is it funny? And then we kept on like ha we had to have like we kept on bringing people in to see what their reaction is, but then yeah. they I think they feel pressured to laugh because. 
because they know that they've been brought in. Right. You know. Live here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I remember being on stage as these guys are, because they, they were playing The Swan, which is such like a beautiful piece, and they're playing it on, on handbells as the band accompanied. But instead of just playing it as you expect, they're fighting over the handbells. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Did they let the handbells make noise while they were fighting over them too? No. So it has to be like, they have to be silent, but they're like bashing each other as trying to, you took, you know, cause like they're acting out. You took my handbell, you took my handbell. And then the one guy runs all the way from the, from the one side to the other side to grab the one handbell at the end. Go, nee, 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 nee. <laughs> that actually sounds like a funny premise to, to begin with. So it was, it was, um, it, it, when we were on stage playing it, you know, it was the greatest thing to actually hear people in the audience start to laugh. I'm like, oh, we did it. We did it. <laughs> but humor, humor is tough. Humor is, humor is tough. But, it, you know, I don't think that humor is the, is the only entertainment factor. You know, you know, right. I, I do believe that playing good music well is entertaining. You know, so there's there's an element of, you know, of excellence that has to be involved in it as well. The two things don't really aren't mutually exclusive. You know, you know, a lot for a long time, you know, people in the Brassman world thought entertainment was dressing up in costumes and, you know, doing choreography and staging and all this stuff. And, you know, you know that and that made it entertaining. But then they go out and they wouldn't play very well because they're doing the costumes and the choreography and stuff. And it's like, well, that, you know, you lost the, the effect of the entertainment because you're not doing it well, you know? So it's, it's a, it's a tricky thing to, to put all those things together, but you know, it's going to be interesting to see when you have an open page for the, for the, you know, for the style of contest, what people will come up, what kind of creativity people will come up with to put a production together that they feel will be competitively successful in an entertainment contest. I think I'm looking forward to it a lot. And it's my impression right now, just looking at the ones that, <clears throat> that are listed on the net, because NABA does have all of these regionals listed if you want to find them and I'll put them in various descriptions. Um, but that, that seems to be the only entertainment concert or a contest right now that I'm, that I'm finding that we have, uh, that we have, uh, that is partnership with yeah but i do believe that um fountain city is starting a an entertainment contest out for the western part in in kansas city um you know i don't have a lot of details about that so i don't really know a lot but i do know that they're doing an event out there um, yeah and um then we've got a handful of festivals and festivals are are great just in terms of i think the fellowship of the brass bands, especially, you know, just going and seeing everybody. And, um, you know, it's kind of nice, especially if it's like one of your first things and you're trying to feel out what you're going to be doing, you know, um, it, it genuinely as a band that went to Nava for the first time. And a lot of my band saw a brass band for the first time at Nava. That's a very stressful situation to enjoy the medium initially. And I feel like these festivals take the edge off of that a little bit as well as just let you play your program or a program that you're working on in a yeah. spot for new people. Yeah. And they, I think the key, the key difference between a festival and a competition is in the festival, there's performances and there could be, you know, it, you know, evaluators that are listening and providing feedback, but they just don't write down point. You don't play for points and for winners and losers. 
um, or placements, you know, and, and I know that the, uh, the partnerships that we're getting in with mid Atlantic and with the Canadian festival is education is really a big part of their, their philosophy with that. So they have a lot of clinics and master classes in addition to the performances, uh, so that the participants really learn a lot as well as get the opportunity to perform and be evaluated. So, you know, that's, and I think that's something that's really, you know, really needed and really interesting um, for this area. And then we have, you know, a couple of actual competitions, DFOB, Dublin Festival of Brass and Gateway are actual competitions that are kind of gear ups for the, for the championships. Um, and those do have, you know, adjudication and placements as well. Yeah. And, um, and Gateway actually mentions that on their website, they actually mentioned that their judges will be like NABA certified or like, you know, be from NABA essentially. So. Yeah. One of the things we try to do with, with NABA is that all the judges or as many of the judges that we can schedule that are doing championships are going to be judging a regional or evaluating in a regional, a regional festival or something just so that they get some hands-on practical experience with the scoring system, the judging, the approach, the philosophy, uh, and and the technology that we use to uh, to judge the judge the show the championship. So it's, that Dublin one's about a month out, a month before NABA happens, about give or take. Yeah, Gate, and, Gateway and DFOB are in March, and um, you know there there were some things right. It was our like ours being our first trip. Um, there was some stuff that was like. Like there was a group breath that our director put in that wasn't written in the music that they put in for an effect and we all liked and we, you know, executed on. And I know we executed on it because all three judges that we had hated it. <laughs> so I know we did it well because they all knew it was there. However, every single and none of them like, OK, I'm being aggressive with the hated it. But all three of them said, oh, I don't think you needed that there or something along those lines. And if we knew that, we would have just not done that, you know, and just an event like this really helps clean that out a little bit um yeah you're thinking about those things yeah i mean that's that's the eventually the goal is that you know like by, by partnering up with with the regionals we we serve several functions one is that the geography creates significant issues for bands to get to the championships you know so having an event that's near them can keep them involved in doing what brass bands do which is participate in competitions and festivals um and and hearing and working with other groups uh, but it also gives them a chance to play for the evaluation that's going to be similar to what they're going to be getting at the championships and you know and any feedback that they get from that could be useful to helping them you know refine their performance for the championships it, it's it's you know it's a little bit different than than in great britain because their their regionals are a completely different piece than their finals. They, they completely change repertoire for that. But um, over here, you won't have to do that. You can play the same music. You can change pieces if you want to, but you can play the same music. Um, you know, and one of the things we do with, with the adjudication pool is that we very carefully um, work with the judges to have them kind of not pay attention to the brass band world. So if they judge a regional, it's in the blind, and then they, they're out of the building. If they're judging championships, they're out of the building. So they really don't know who's on stage. So that when they, if they hear that same piece again at championships, they'll have no idea who's doing it. Um, you know, just so just protecting the the anonymity of the bands is something that we work really hard to, to, to maintain with the judging pool. 
I think another thing, another way that it's different from, from over in the UK is that the, the people who have come over, at least to the Mid-Atlantic Brass Band Festival, um, have almost always commented on how unique it is that Americans are okay with playing, with putting a, a not quite finished product out there in these festivals, like Dublin Festival Brass, uh, Mid-Atlantic Brass Band Festival, the ones that come before NABA, everyone is aware that this is, it's it's pretty polished, but it is not quite the final product because we still have like a month or so to go. Um, and so the, the Brits have all said, you know, I, I think that this is a great idea. Just, I just don't think that it would fly in the UK because no one would want to put out that that almost polished product, <laughs> that almost polished performance out there. And yeah. then to be, to get feedback on it. Um, to get better. You know, to get better. have another month. You know? Yeah. And the, the Mid-Atlantic Brass Band Festival usually has a few clinicians that come in. We've had some, some great ones come in. Um, and, you know, so these bands... Uh, after they perform, that's that's not the end of the festival. Um, they go into a room. They have an hour with each uh, of the of the clinicians, and they give their feedback and they kind of rehearse the bands, and so they can go back for that final month and have have their list of what they want to what they want to accomplish. Yeah, it's it's also interesting because American bands prepare for the competition and championships very differently than bands over, you know, at least the championship section bands. You know, when you go to the, the finals over there, you work on that music for the two weeks leading up to that. But, you know, prior to that, they're doing other concerts in the, the British Open and stuff. Bands over here will be working on that music from January to April on a weekly basis, not just for, in the two intense weeks. Um, and some bands, even in October or at the beginning of the season, they'll start that, digging into that music. Um, you know, so... You know the process of of preparing for contest is is a month long process, not a not a daily process. You know, so there is there is a growth period from when you do a, an early contest to the championships. It's you know it's 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 a growing thing. Yeah, and so we've got so just so we we've kind of thrown a lot of details out there just so everybody knows what we're talking about and when everything's happening i'm just gonna like throw them out there just so everyone knows what we're talking about because we're like we're like popcorning a bunch of names and wares and all that sort of thing so we have the u.s open um and that's in technically in clarkston michigan um that's happening november 19th then we've got the mid-atlantic brass band festival that's february 11 through 12 that's in new jersey glassboro uh gateway festival march 18 um and that's in st louis missouri Dublin Brass Band Festival, Dublin, Ohio. That's March 25th. And the Great Canadian Brass Band Festival, May 12th through 20th. Um, that's at the University of Toronto. I assume in Toronto. I don't know. The University of Miami is not in Miami, so. <laughs> it's, in Miami, though. it's in Coral Gables. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, so Miami University that's in Ohio, so. Right. Something, something Ben Roethlisberger. I don't know. <laughs> um... But speaking of competitions, you know, there's been a huge adjustment with with the North American Brass Band Festival or Championship um, in terms of the scheduling. 
scheduling is is very different because of some things that changed. Um, primarily, with what's going on with the first and second section in terms of when they play their stuff. Yeah, we the contest committee decided that you know it would with the level of repertoire that the bands are playing. Um, much the same as the championship section where they do their choice piece and test piece on separate days. The first and second sections are also going to be performing their choice and, and test pieces on separate days as well on Friday and Saturday. Um, the, the third section and youth section and open sections will not, they'll still perform their programs in their entirety on the same day. Um, but the other, the other sections are going to be split up and hopefully that'll um, it'll be an adjustment for the for those bands, um, but hopefully it'll be a welcome adjustment as they learn how to do, deal with the weekend in two performance steps rather than one. But you know, with fresh chops for both performances. So you know, hopefully the the logistics that the bands have to go through to figure that out will be, you know, be worth it, and the and the results of the performance will be you know much higher. Heck, it even changes how you rehearse and prepare. It, it will. You know, I mean, like, I, I don't know about your your group, Amy, but like we were really working on like the last two weeks of like face on horn, face on horn, face on horn, just to get ready for that. Mm -hmm. um, and now we guess you get to look at some music for more, you know, and work on yeah. that sort of thing. It was I, I have to say I'm excited about this because I even though I've played a lot of, of first section type music, I hadn't gone to a competition in first section um, at least in, in the U.S. And so to play those two pieces in, in a row up on stage on a, on a corner chair, my part had the same range as the championship section pieces. Um, and that was, that was an experience because I was, I had to pace myself and I, I have to say, I couldn't hundred percent go for it. Um, I had to back off on some dynamics. I had to back off on a few things just to just to save myself for that second piece. Yeah. Uh, and so I am I am excited because I feel like I can I I'm not gonna have to pace myself as much because we're just gonna have the one piece in the one day. And then, you know, after doing that with championship because championship used to be both back to back. 2010 um, was the last year that they did that. Yeah. And, and going through that process, the championship, I, I see, you know, we all saw how, how great that was and how it boosted our performance level. So I'm excited to see what happens with first section and second section, because I think that it will boost the performance level. Yeah, I, I, I think so as well. Um, I think if it weren't for the pandemic, the board probably would have done this two years ago. You know, I mean, they, I mean, we've been discussing this for and moving locations too, you know. Yeah, for a long time. But, but there are lots of, um, you know, in addition to the uh, the performance aspects of it, there's a, there's some logistical things that'll make it better for bands. This will allow us to put more people in the stage in the concert hall. Um, so so now the second the second section will at least get the split time in the concert hall in the playhouse rather than. You know, having to play their entire program in the playhouse. So the idea is to get as many bands as possible into the the, the really nice hall. Um, you know, and this will allow us to do that. And and another thing that's going to be really good is it'll help the adjudication a lot by separating 
those two parts of the program, um, you know, because, you know, human nature influences one, the, the test piece score influences the choice piece score because those things are done back to back. Um, so, you know, so separating those two things on different days means that the judges are going to be doing a, a completely separate contest as it should be because of the weighting. And what we're doing for the other sections that do their program together is that we are stopping when the, when the test piece is done, there's going to be a pause on, you know, until the judges finish adjudicating the test piece, they're going to close the book on that and then start again for the choice piece. So they're going to, they have to record their scores and be done with the test piece 100% before we move on to the choice piece. Now they have to do it quickly, um, you know, which isn't ideal, but making sure that we are making an attempt to make, let the judges know that these are two separate contests between choice and test. And you have to write down your number, lock it in, and then we move on to the choice piece. And then they do that, do that evaluation separately. Um, yeah, but it's just going to be a lot easier for the first, second, and championship sections because they're on separate days. Um, so, you know, all of those things make will make sense, you know, and hopefully make the the re, the result the performance is better, the results more reliable, um, and everybody happier. Yeah, I'm just like I'm just looking at the glance of the schedule, which is not you know it's what it's on the website, but it's not like the intensity that you you and I know that are existing in this and it's just like a freaking logistical miracle because <laughs> if you look at this two-day event <laughs> solo and ensemble on Friday not to mention the board meeting the day before but there's a there's <laughs> solo and ensemble on Friday starts at eight and pretty much will hard stop at one because the first section starts and goes until until like 940 is when the other the next thing starts so you've got a schedule from 8 to essentially 10 30 11 non-stop go to bed wake up 8 a.m we're hitting you again with some youth band and then going straight again until 10 30 11 again right and just to be able to pack all the different sections and all the different events and all that sort of a thing into one thing is uh i'm glad i'm not on that committee <laughs> to have to plan that. Well, I, I am on that committee, and it, is, and it is tough. And not only that, but you have to, you know, you know, try to adjust things. I mean, we're, I mean, we learned things from this year's contest. We're, you know, we're going to be moving things around to make every, but everybody that's there performing has a better experience this year than last year. Um, you know, but it's tough. There's, there's way too much stuff packed into the weekend, and it all has to be there. <laughs> you know, so, you know, so, you know, the, you know, the thing to remember is that until we have all the entries in, in January, the, the times, you know, the time schedule look, will change, you know, based on the bands that enter and souls and, and ensembles that enter, you know, we, we're hoping that we have enough space in the time frame to do everybody that, um, to listen to everybody that comes in and that enters. Um, you know, but if we have a certain number of people, we may start at nine o'clock for the solo ensemble instead of, instead of eight o'clock, you know, we may end at 1130, you know, it just depends on how many people enter for each, you know, for each section or category, but we do have a, we do have plans for, you know, for how to get the most people to perform as possible, you know, but it's, it's logistical, it's logistically very difficult to get all of this stuff in.
Yep, and again, I'm not envious of the people who have to do that. I just get to, and <laughs> I just get to enjoy all the uh, the fun, and then I get to like talk to Amy backstage before she. Go- oh wait, no, I don't get to talk to Amy because she ignored me entirely before. Oh, Wonder nice. <laughs> he wasn't even I, awake. To, what are you talking about? To, to be totally honest, I ignore everyone before I go on stage. I go into my own little world. Everyone, if you're listening, if you're backstage with me, She's I mean, great. no offense. I am. I just don't talk to people. I go into my own little corner, and I just I I kind of close my eyes and relax. I'm not a there. I I have this theory that people there. Some people like talking to others before they go on stage to like distract themselves, and some people like retreat into themselves before they go on stage. And I am definitely one of those like retreat into into themselves type person. So I just. I I try to be as polite as possible, but I'm like, listen, I I really I I don't want to talk right now. <laughs> I will talk to you after, but before I just I don't I. That's me. So when we were in Atlantic, we used to we used to know like who who wanted to talk and joke around to like distract themselves and stay relaxed. And who like to who like to like meditate and and be on their own, and we used to divide into like two different groups backstage: the like, jokers like, and like the solitary people. Inter- introvert stage left. Introvert <laughs> exactly. stage right. Exactly. That was exactly how it was because like we wanted to make sure that everyone got what they needed before we went on stage, but having them mingle was the worst idea ever. <laughs> So I, if anyone is backstage with me, I promise you, I am a pleasant person, but just don't try to like talk to me right before I go on stage. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think the, the, the weirdest thing is going to be figuring out, you know, because you're used to when you do your program in its entirety, your, your band is in the warm up area for at least a half hour, you know, sometimes even a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. And now you're, you're going to be in there for 10 minutes, 15 minutes. You know? Which for like for my group, that's great because I thought we we were in a warm up for way too long, right? We could have gone in, played a hymn, and then left, and that's just that's the personality of my band. But other bands are not that way. Other bands want, <laughs> other bands want, you know, essentially a half hour rehearsal before they go on stage, and you've got everything in between, and so it is going to be an adjustment. Can I help you? <laughs> we have a, we have a cat on screen for those of you who are listening. Hello, kitty. We, our special guest. <laughs> <laughs> the tiny terror that is. Well, hey guys, it's been um, it's been really good getting getting to actually like sit down and chat again for the first time, and it feels like forever. Yeah, a, a months, long right? time. Yeah. Um, stop being busy, everyone. Got it. <laughs> I'll work on that. Sure. I'll just stop everything. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, I'm not gonna do a question of the of the week because uh, I think I feel like this entire thing was questions of the week. So <laughs> that's the way this whole thing was. We definitely didn't get to talk about as many things with all these various competitions. And I'm sure, especially with NAVA, we'll have more to discuss leading up to it as we get closer to it and as we get some more information that's publicly out and all that sort of thing. So, um, but yeah, thank you guys so much for chatting with me this morning. Missed it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. we'll see you next time. Uh-huh.